0: And welcome to the Afritech Verified Podcast. I'm Tosin, your host on this podcast where we speak to amazing individuals doing awesome things in the world of African tech. My guest today is an old friend of mine, actually. We grew up together on the streets of Dublin in the Republic of Ireland. Joe Kimby is a chartered accountant turned African tech investor. He's currently working with global payments company Stripe and has also started his own company called Hoke, investing in African tech startups. I'll be speaking to Joey today about his career growth as well as his interest in African tech. Hi, Joey. (laughs) I'm so so excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you feeling?
1: Good. And thanks for having me. Um, I don't think I've done many podcasts. (laughs) really i'm really looking forward to this one
0: that's nice thank you so much for coming on so um i guess we'll start by you telling us about yourself your career growth you know how you ended up in investing and stuff like
1: that yeah uh, sure so i'm gonna start from the beginning Uh, i'm from togo i grew up in togo and uh, my parents immigrated to ireland when i was very young so i moved to ireland dublin when i was about 15 and i finished my education and so back then the goal was i just want to go to university right uh, that's it that was like a big goal uh, i managed to achieve that i went to do accounting and finance in uh, dublin institute of technology now called technology university of dublin and um and then right after that when we we're finishing college um a lot of my classmates people started talking about this whole big four thing, like it was a buzzword. And then you have all these companies coming on site, PwC and Sean Young, KPMG, trying to hire people. So like for a lot of folks, like they knew exactly where they were going. For me, I was just cruising college, And uh, people were starting going to these things and I just joined them and they started interviewing. So I'm like, well, if they're doing it, I'm gonna start interviewing too. So um, I interviewed for KPMG, which was my, I think was like my first ever proper interview. And like, I messed it up big time. Like I came back, I came back home that day and I fell asleep in my suit. It was that bad, right? And then um, the second interview was with Ernst Young. And uh, when I went to the interview, we we're all sitting in this room and they were having like a sort of a group interview type of thing, and I took the water, right? And I opened the sparkling water and I spilled it all over. Oh, wow, great first impression. First impression. And uh, the interviewer, I think Kieron Daly, his name was, I actually remember this, like we went in there and he was building a house back then and I was working part-time in b which is a DIY store. And we spent about 40 minutes talking about his house, flooring and then there were like 10 minutes left he's like oh actually i had to interview you for this thing now and then we talked about like what my inspirations are then long story short i got the job right so i did three years uh, in auditing consultancy at ey loved it but um and then i also through while well, i was doing that qualified as a charter accountant but uh, i've always had like this inclination for doing different things but up until this stage of my life, I wasn't quite sure what I really wanted to do. So I just kind of kept going. I'm like, okay, if I have this qualification, it'll hopefully, hopefully help me one day. And then when I left EY, I joined Stage 3, which was um, a financial institution. But the reason why I joined Stage 3 was, wasn't because of you know, like the work itself. It was because they were building this new department, which is an internal audit department. They were looking for like, the first few people to join. And I was like, yep, I would like to do that. And I think that's where I kind of cut the startup bug, where it was me, Alex, who was my manager for like, I think three months, it was just the two of us trying to set up this whole department. Not going to lie, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just super excited about figuring this whole thing out. And so I did uh, internal audit for two years. I loved it because it got a chance to travel to places like South Africa, went to Boston, spent a lot of time in London, Poland. So I think- I loved it. So, like, after two years here, I realized that I didn't really enjoy the job. I really enjoyed the fact that I was trying to, like, figure things out, all the traveling. And when we settled, I was like, okay, I want to go and do more of this, figuring new things out. So I ventured into the startup space. I joined one startup, which didn't work out. Spent about, I think, like six to eight months there. It didn't really work out, but that was fine at this stage. I was working at a startup, they weren't repaying me a lot. I was broke. So I was like, well, remember that chartered accounting thing that I had, it's it. I'm gonna start using it. So yeah. I I went to, uh, get, I got like a financial reporting goal which was paying me stupid money. Like, I was like, wow. Um, so I did that for a couple of months, saved a bit. Then I'm like, okay, let's go back to this whole startup thing. So uh, at this stage, we had this organization called I. While I was working as a contractor at this company, we also had this organization called ap So like I'll finish at five and then we go to events, organize a bunch of things. So like I was very busy while I was working this job to just, you know, get some income in. I was doing a lot of things that I really cared about. And when I finished my contract, I was like, okay, I want to go back into the startup space. Um, at this time that summer, I think it was summer 2017, I actually tried to build my own startup, uh, which was like a, uh, it was a, a music influencer site because the thing I didn't mention is while all these things was happening I was also a music manager right so I was going to shows I was yeah, like yeah so I, I, <laughs> I remember that phase remember that right <laughs> I remember so, that
0: phase
1: but uh the the music platform I, I built it towards the stage where like we had something that was working it was called soundhub.co but in September October uh we were at one APN event and uh, I met this guy called Shekinah and he came to the event and we just, like, we were organizing, like, uh, breakout rooms. And uh, after that, like, because we were the organizers, we are just chilling, taking a breather. Then I started talking to China about his startup because he was building a fintech startup.
0: Yeah, TouchTech like, payments, right?
1: That's right. So yeah. I met China. Long story short, I ended up working at TouchTech a couple of weeks later as the head of finance. So head of finance at TouchTech. Did that for about two years. Around, this, like, a year into... TouchTech we were trying to sell obviously as a startup trying to make some money and then we saw Stripe who uh, launched um, issuing so they started doing cards right our solution catered to anybody who issues cards so obviously we're like let's go sell to Stripe straight mm-hmm. up and uh, throughout that conversation it led from trying to sell to Stripe to Stripe acquiring TouchTech and in 2019 you know, uh, Stripe acquired TouchTech and I now work at Stripe but the investment piece actually started when I was working at touch tech as a head of finance. So my role, in addition to just making sure that things run and we have money in the bank, I was spending a lot of my time doing pitch decks, pitching to investors. You know, folks will come in. Our founders will do a lot of pitching, but like I'll do most of the back office work. And that's when I started realizing that raising money is hard. Like it's very hard. And I've seen like we pitched to so many investors, some some invested, some didn't. You pitched to like government agencies. So it was just a lot of like struggle trying to get money into the company in addition mm. to sales. And when we when we got to Stripe, uh, I met Newbie. Newbie was working at the Stripe then, but I've known Newbie way like many, many years before you know he's married to Nana. You know,
0: yeah. Part of, you
1: know, we all went to the same church. And Newbie and I started kind of talking about like how we can find a way to fund founders and how can we actually invest in them? Because like the struggle is, you know, they need that capital to get off the ground, but once you get off the ground, you get traction and you can actually go and raise more money. I was talking to Newbie and I was also talking to a friend of mine called Ayo, but like Ayo and I, we want to do some research and we realized that our, you know, close knit friends They probably weren't really making like this sort of amount or they didn't have that disposable income that you would need to write checks into startups, right? Because as a head of finance back then, like we were taking bigger checks, like 50, 100K. And it was very difficult for our group of friends to come together and raise that money quickly. But when Anubi and I started exploring, it turned out that a lot of startups were taking smaller checks, like 5, 10, uh, 20K checks. And this is a practice that we weren't aware of. But if you go to San Francisco, like it's pe- people do that. Like people write as little as one K checks. So we're like, okay, cool. So at the start, before the pandemic started, uh, we, Newbie and I we started reaching out to like a, a couple of people, say, hey, we have this opportunity. Would you like to come on board and let's invest in these startups? I don't, you know Newbie personally. Do you...
0: Um, I actually don't know Newbie personally, but uh, right. Newbie is very active on Twitter. In African tech tech twitter. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So Newbie is this guy that like he just does things. He does it. Like he is a doer. Like if it wasn't because of Newbie, Hulk wouldn't have life. Mm-hmm. Like I probably I'm trying to like probably measure, call, you know, make sure it's perfect. But with Newbie, he just got us off the ground and we started meeting, talking to people, and he just knows how to do things. But in April 2020, last year we managed to raise about 17,000 euros. And then, which came to like about $20,000. Two companies that we're talking to, they're willing to take our small 10K checks. And then that's how we wrote our first two checks. But at this stage, it was just purely experimental. Like, cause mm. you're doing with friends, like you don't have a proper structure. And then we did another one and then we raised $25,000. And then and towards the end of last year, instead of us reaching out to people, people were reaching out to us because the word was spreading and like we're on Twitter, but like we go to clubhouse rooms and all this, and just talking about what we're doing. And like more people got interested. So um, that's how Hulk actually became what it is today. And now we have just about 300 people in the community. We've we've raised and invested over 300,000. And so like we've set up, you know, proper structures with lawyers involved you know people pay like a joining fee and you know pay like a small membership fee every year um so that's that's been in progress so far but i think it was worth just kind of giving you the backstory of
0: mm. how hope
1: came about but also worth mentioning that newbie founded like his startup in nigeria before moving to ireland so like he knows he's built a startup before he knows the founder struggle he's you know worked at stripe dealing with a lot of you know startups so and and newbie is the plug you name one entrepreneur (laughs) in nigeria newbie will get like newbie has his people on whatsapp so okay then
0: we have to speak to newbie eventually you
1: you have to speak to newbie because (laughs) like he he does a lot of things that i just can't and i think we complement each other very well because i bring my kind of accounting skills he brings his networking skills you know He's now the president of APNI. I used to be the president of APNI. Hmm. So like, there's a lot of things that we share in common, but we have our own strengths that, you know, really help shape what Hoke is today.
0: Okay, that's great. That that, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Like, um, obviously, what inspired your choice of a co-founder? You have brought like different skills together to make this work, right? And Mm -hmm. so from what you've said, I'm understanding that you have raised money from basically your network and your community of people that you know. And it has now grown into a community of 300 members who pay like a membership fee annually.
1: In in 14 countries. I actually did in a number yesterday. In 14 countries. Yeah. So we have. Oh, wow. In OK. Countries.
0: What countries are they?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Nigeria, obviously. <laughs> well, Ga- yeah. Ghana, South Africa, Kenya, the US. Canada, Luxembourg, Germany, France, the UK, Kuwait, Qatar, uh, the UAE. I think that's that's 13. I'm missing one. Okay. uh, So
0: are you investing in startups in general or you're focused on Africans and African tech startups, like startups serving Africa specifically?
1: Yeah. So we don't necessarily define like it has to be African. Um, okay. a case in point we've invested in startups in africa as well mm-hmm. as outside of africa so like mm-hmm. people folks who are serving the african continent and the diaspora they can be based anywhere but well, they right? have to be and,
0: serving the african continent
1: or the diaspora
0: or the diaspora or, okay
1: yeah so like for example we invested in a uk um gaming company by two black founders google uh, ex google folks geniuses mm-hmm. um, like they know their thing and they know it really well um we invested in a company called eversend uh, founders based in France but he's serving there he's doing cross oh, yeah transfer. yeah I know
0: ever uh, yeah.
1: and so like our thesis is not very like uh, it's not region focused but the things that we look out for is like the founders uh, have technical know-how so they know the space and they know they know things that the average person doesn't know Uh, the size of the market is fairly big like so 100 million plus so they're serving Mm -hmm. like quite a large market and uh, what's the third one the third one is they have to have some level of traction right so they Mm -hmm. are either selling to like uh they have customers already or some people are using the product so for example like the first company that we invested in uh when we invested it didn't have any revenue but they were doing like a lot of trials with like a couple of banks in africa right so that already shows you that, okay, some people are interested in trying out a product and there's some traction there. Uh, but the, the key thing is like, you, you really need to spend a lot of time with the founders. And like, when you speak to some founders, you just know that like, I remember when we were speaking to Audio Mob, he, like uh, Christian, his name is, he mentioned so many terms that I had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't get it. I don't know anything about ad tech. No, I don't, I don't know much about gaming, but you just know that this guy, they know what they're
0: doing
1: they know what they're doing and they have that unique insight that the average person doesn't know Mm -hmm. and that's what really makes like great entrepreneurs thrive in you know the industry that they're playing in like they have an edge it's either Mm -hmm. like they've worked in that space for like 5 10 20 years and they just know something little that not even little but they know a couple of things that not everybody can like you can't just wake up and say i'm gonna go build what he's building" because you have no idea Mm. and when you talk to these founders you just know and they might not have figured it out when you're talking to them but you know that like this person have will figure mm-hmm. they have the potential to figure it out even if it's not this way they will find ways and that's what makes these entrepreneurs really thrive and building uh solutions for so many problems that i have today
0: i wanted to find out why exactly you are focused on Apart from obviously the difficulty in being able to raise money as an African or as, an, or as a company that's serving like the continent, why exactly did you choose to focus on, on Africa and the diaspora?
1: Well, like the, the first reason was because I saw Soshikina, uh, one of the co-founders of TouchTech, him and other Black founders that I've seen, Black f- founders struggle to raise money plain and simple. Like, and if you go look at the stats, Like, the amount of capital that goes towards Black founders in Africa and outside of Africa is minuscule compared to everybody else, right? So, for us, I don't want to call bias, but, like, I know, like, a good thing when I see it, right? And for me, if, you know, the VC community isn't funneling funds towards these guys, I, I look at it as, like, you guys are missing out, actually. Mm. But we also have a unique advantage because, first of all, we're African. I, I, go to, I try to go to Africa at least once a year, uh, whether mm. it's, you know, my home country, Togo. I've spent some time, you know, we were in Nigeria. In Nigeria, yes. Like, um, I've been to Nigeria a couple of times, Tanzania, Kenya, South Africa. So, like, I, I'm trying to spend as much time on the continent as possible. And I know and understand the struggle of our continent, our people, but also the potential that our people have. So like, if other people can't see the opportunity, maybe we can be kind of like that little step that can you know, allow the world to see the opportunity. And you can see right now that there's so much capital going into the continent because people are waking up,
0: Yeah.
1: right? And uh, I pulled my phone. And so I have this pinned tweet on my, uh, on my Twitter, which is, if you missed out on investing in Bitcoin in 2011, don't miss out on investing in africa in 2021 so mm. like i i strongly believe and i'm willing to bet on it that like africa or investing in africa will be like investing in bitcoin like anybody who's put money in now uh they will see the exponential returns in a couple of years and like if you see the lack of cheaper cash i think it was this week
0: yeah that was that's actually my next question that they did like, now become a unicorn in three unicorn. years
1: Yes, but, like, yes. it just shows you the size of the opportunity. And, like, cheaper cash, the folks that, I know one guy who works at Cheaper Cash, and these guys don't making a lot of noise. They just do the work. um, And, like, they're doing meaningful work for the continent. And mm-hmm. you have to be there to see it. And, yes. you, know, you know, we have so many blocks, like you see, like, in, in, for example, in Nigeria, the regulators are coming in, you know, shaking people. Yes the best companies the folks who are doing meaningful work they're just doing the work no noise just do the work empower people give people solution that will help them solve their problems and in that space cheaper cash is doing it doing it really well the other one mm. that's doing it really well it's ever sent. so like that's just like i don't even know how to it but that's just yeah a small
0: it, it's like a fintech piece. revolution as well like why, why do you why do you think that like fintechs are basically like you know leading you know the charge in africa basically like what w- what would you say is the reason why they're dominating um well the space they,
1: they're dominating because the current structures that we have are not working right you know they're very expensive have you ever tried to send money from like Ghana to Nigeria.
0: It, uh, it's very it, yeah, difficult. Really let difficult. me check how
1: it works. Maybe it's different now because there are so many s- solutions on the market. But basically, you take the Naira, you convert it to USD, right? Whichever which bank you're doing this, they're going to charge you fees, anything up to like 5%, right? And then you convert that USD back to cities. So by the time you take your Naira to cities, you're probably losing anything between 10 15 percent Mm. So if you have a, a fintech company that is like, actually, we can do that for you within the app and it's probably going to cost you 2 3%. Now, for me, that's a no-brainer, right? But that's just a small piece of the multitude of problems that needs to be solved on the continent. Like, for example, like, we have people who invest from Nigeria into hope. We struggle to get money from Nigeria. It's the hardest thing that I've ever had to solve this year expensive so folks have to actually go to the bank queue up and fill the forms it's the most painful thing ever they can't use card because their naira card won't work in abroad in yeah. other, abroad and and then we came across this company called SendCash cash who are actually solving that problem uh, but you need to actually be able to lodge the money and then they'll do the conversion for you but like so many problems in the that's in the financial space alone and tech is really helping people to solve that but we haven't even spoken about infrastructure we haven't spoken about education we haven't spoken about health we haven't spoken about commerce so these huge pillars need to be solved for the continent and Mm. like america has solved it the the europe has solved it like the, the good news is we can see what they've done and they've solved it the other good news is we're gonna have to solve it our own way, because yeah. like we have maybe same problems or we have different infrastructure. Very so, unique. Like, very unique. And if you go to like when I went to Kenya earlier this year, I was in our cause. things just move. Like things move, and like when people talk about best, you have to, you have to like leave it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: perfect. It it works. It's cheap. That's true.
0: And m just did a partnership with Amazon recently. Have they? Yeah.
1: But now that's one out of 54 countries. Yeah. And like, so the size of the opportunity is so big. Like the only thing I'm worried about, I'm worried about when you were talking to Adewale, is like, how do we get as much talent? Because what's going to happen is all these companies, they're all competing for the same talent, right? We're not training folks fast enough. And like you hear one person is here, six months later, they're gone because somebody else is making them an offer. A lot of European countries are now coming to the continent to hire talents, right? So now what I'm thinking is like, well, this is what's keeping me up at night. How do we get as many people into the pipeline, educated fast so that they can fulfill this need that all these amazing companies are having and will have?
0: Exactly. And I really hope,
1: I hope that Taliki also solves that.
0: I hope so too, um, although I think I think their business model is getting people who are already experienced. Um, and Della was doing that, you know, with training junior developers. Um, however, the business model wasn't sustainable, so they had to, you know, stop that and focus on, like, senior developers as well. So I think there are other companies like Utiva who mm-hmm. are, yeah. you know, kind of focusing on, like, training. But we obviously, there's obviously a gap in the training um, space in, in Africa that yeah. I guess more companies, we're waiting on more companies to like come in and take over that market basically. So geez, in a world, in a world where like, you know, we're seeing like obviously companies like yours, like coming in um, and, you know, cause there aren't so many like funders out mm-hmm. of Africa. Yeah. A lot of the funding that's coming into Africa is from like international people. Like we see the likes of Goldman Sachs who invested in like Cobo 360. And mm-hmm. we see, I mean, the, what's it called? The Y Combinators investing in like co- companies like Vendee's and even Flutter Waves, and the Paystacks who Stripe literally recently acquired. Um. So in a world where, Funding is increasing annually, and especially since more African funders are coming up now, and startups are reaching like unicorn status. So how do you see the African tech ecosystem, you know, booming in the next five, you know, to ten years? And obviously, like, you know, how does your company fit into this um, narrative?
1: Uh, so one interesting fact is, like, out of all the capital that actually goes into goes to our startups, 20% of that is already funded by. African VC's people. That's one interesting fact that people don't know. So, mm. and I think over time, the more capital goes into, you know, into the ecosystem, that means you're going to have more exits. You're going to have more capital available to fund you know, more companies, right? So you're going to see this like, um, like compound growth uh, that will happen over time. And that's a good thing. Uh, in terms of how we fit in, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to enable more investors, and our philosophy is like, when you want to get into that, you know, startup investment journey, we are the first, we are your first stop. So when you join our community, you learn about startup investing. So like, it, it, if you want to learn, obviously. So we have like these two groups of folks, right? We have passive investors, people that, you know, I saw this startup, I like it, I want to put money towards it. That's it. Uh, or people who actually want to learn about startup investing and get to the stage where they will leave Hulk and go invest in their own rights. Um, So we want to enable as many investors as possible. And what that means is now you have not just folks in Africa, but folks in the diaspora, i.e. the 14 countries that I mentioned, uh, will become investors in their own, own right and start investing. Right. So if you join us, you're writing very, very small check, like a thousand dollar check. But like, we want you to go to the stage where you come with us you join, you do one, two, three, four, five. And then when you and I guarantee to write like 10, 20K checks, you don't need us anymore. And anybody who's doing 10, 20, 30K checks, like, you know, you should know what you're doing. I really hope you know what you're doing. And we want to be that starting point for you and, and enable as many, you know, as many investors as possible. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing that we want to do is we want the folks who are investors investing with us, uh, we want to give them the ability to work with these startups, right? And because what we pitching to startups, we're, what we're saying is, oh, yeah, we want to give you money, but we have this community, and if you need help, we can help you. So we have like BD, business development people, a lot of engineers, a lot of accountants. like So we have these people in the community already, and they're, you know, well-seasoned professionals. And we want these professionals to help the startups with every, like, dead end, right? Like some startups, like, you don't hear from them once invest. Some, you actually stay in touch with them regularly. And what we're launching, hopefully soon, is HOC members will be portfolio managers. So if you go to a VC, like, you are are a principal at at a VC, you actually have a portfolio of companies that you manage, Right. Yeah. And what we want to do is we actually want to match, you know, folks with companies that align with their profession or their talent. And that person would be responsible uh, to work with that company on behalf of Hope. And in the long term, and this hasn't happened yet, we actually want to see people leave their job and go work for a Hope portfolio company. Hmm. And obviously, that would, be a, that would be a relationship between, you know, the company and that person. But like to a small extent, we want to serve, use Hulk as a pipeline for these companies to kind of tap in for resources. So like, if you've worked with a company and you are, you're thinking, oh, I want to move back to Nigeria and this company is hiring. Like you already know that company you've worked with them. It's easier. Right. Mm. And and now this is, these are their ambitions. It hasn't happened yet. And we really want to work towards that. And like in the, this year, what I said to newbie last year is like, you know, I would love to raise about two hundred fifty thousand. We've passed already. We're at three, like three thirty. And at the start of the year, I say the goal is to put about a million dollar towards, you know, African ambitious African founders. And I think we're to track to do that. And mm-hmm. that gets me super excited because when you look at the impact, let's not worry about the money for a second. Right? When you look at the impact from an economic empowerment perspective, like. You give money to this company, that company builds something amazing. Companies grow and they hire people, right? So that's great employment. And those people also now have family, they can send the kids to school, they have more money, reducing you know, uh, an unemployment rate in whichever country that they are. They're becoming economically empowered. This company grows, let's say they exit, everybody makes money. Now, you just have this group of people who do have a lot more money to repeat, rinse, and keep doing that. And like exit like is a good example. There was a lot of angels, and those angels are now coming back and investing in most startups, right? Mm. And that's how you really fuel the, the ecosystem, and it keeps growing and growing and growing.
0: Say I had like um, um, some money to invest in one of your portfolio companies. How... How do you assure them that they're going to get returns? Like, how does it work?
1: So uh, one thing that should I say from the get-go is startup investing is very risky, right? Like, you know, one out of 10 startups fail in the first year. So that's just a start for you. Um, so what we do is we come in super early, usually like at an angel pre-seed seed ramp. And uh, what we, so we go invest and. The whole idea is, every time this company goes to raise more money, you're hoping that it raises a higher valuation. And once they raise more money, on paper at least, you've seen some sort of return, right? And But that's unrealized gain, right? You, you haven't actually collected your money yet. Because like company that goes to raise more money doesn't guarantee exit. Anything. They can still fail. Mm-hmm. So uh, what and we haven't done this year, since we've only been in operation for a year, right, what we're hoping to do is when these companies go to raise more money, and they start getting institutional uh, capital, what you typically see is you have like big VCs that come in at series A, B, and at this stage, they try to kind of clear the, the, the capital. So like what they'll do is they'll buy out all the angels and, you know, pay you out at that valuation. And yeah. that's when we're really hoping to see exits. Um, and when people ask this question, we always, you know, this is the answer. And that's the, the honest answer. But we're hoping to start seeing these happen anything between 24 to 36 months. And just historically, you'll see anything like 2 to 3x. So, like, if you put a 1,000, like 2 to 3x means that you're going to get about, you know, 2 to 3,000.
0: more. Yeah.
1: yeah. But also, you can lose all your money. Let me just put that caveat in. Uh, <laughs> like you, you can't lose your money. So ideally, what you really want to be doing is you really want to like uh, what you call it, dollar cost average, right? So you wanna you don't want to just invest in one company, you want to invest in a couple. And what that means is like if you invest in five companies, for example, if you say if you have five thousand, ideally, I wouldn't say you invest, you know, the whole five thousand in one company, mm-hmm. you probably spread it in the companies, say maybe like two or three. And the whole idea is. If one of those companies fail, you know, one of them does say, I don't know, 5X, the other one does 10X. Overall, like I think you're doing about seven and a half X. You know, 15 divided by two, right? Um, so that is better than if you end up putting all your 5K in the company that fails, you've lost your money. Yeah. So this is why we're really encouraging people to really understand. And that comes as part of the education and the enablement is. And you don't wanna just put your money into like one company you want to try to spread it as much as possible to kind of average your risk and also increase your potential for upside.
0: That sounds good. Um, so apart from turning your, your community members into portfolio managers, um, so what, um, future plans you have for Hook? you know, within the next five years?
1: Oh, uh, five years. uh, I'm, Yubi and I are really hoping to go and, you know, raise more money to invest. Like, you know, right now we're raising from the community, but we're hoping to actually raise institutional uh, capital, Mm -hmm. uh, probably anything between 20 to uh, to 50 million. And I'll most likely move back to the continent and be based, I don't know where, but (laughs) I'll move back and, you know, really, you know, be the source of capital for all the ambitious ambitious founders, because... We know, understand, like, uh, this month, we've actually blocked our calendars, we don't have any calls, but on a weekly basis, we no, actually, on a daily basis, we speak to anything between one or two founders, so you mm-hmm. can do the numbers. So, like, we speak to so many founders, and on Saturday, I actually went to do a, a what you call it, I did, like, a, a whiteboard session with two founders, and this was, it's just because we're trying to figure a couple of things out, and... What else would you be doing on a Saturday morning for <laughs> doing a whiteboard session <laughs> with two founders? Right, and, you have nothing um, else to do. We, yeah, so we believe that like we haven't even, like this is a Bitcoin at less than a dollar. Bitcoin is what is in our I have even checked is like in the 30s, 40s. So just imagine Bitcoin at less than a dollar. That's where we are when it comes to uh, African uh, tech investment in five years we're probably going to be like at the hundred dollar in 10 20 30 years like we're going to reach that bitcoin level and we're in here for the long run like um one thing i've learned is like if you really want to have impact you really want to do what you're doing for like a a long amount of time and consistency and like for the long like we don't you and I haven't, still haven't talked about how we plan to make money out of this, right? Okay, mm. we, we, charge, we charge carry, which is, you know, when people eventually make money, we get a small percentage, mm. but that this is just the starting point. Like, we're still at zero point something. We haven't reached one yet. And in five years time, I see myself doing this full time um, and, you know, working with ambitious founders who want to build the continent. Because my life goal is to kind of like, like, I want to see reverse immigration. Where people actually mm. come to the continent. My parents had to leave because they want a better life for themselves and the kids. But I strongly believe that in five, 10 years' time we're gonna see like a reverse immigration. And I'm here for it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: We're all here for it. We are here for it. Fantastic, Joey. Thank you so much. And um, so we're going to move into a quick fire round. So these are more quick fire questions um, just to you know round up the session um, so I guess the first question is um, in a few in a few um, in like one sentence or two like what does innovation mean to you
1: innovation is uh, finding new ways to solve existing problems um, and when I was listening to the Aduales. um podcast that you did i think he mentioned like horses right and the problem that we've always wanted to solve is how to get from a to b faster that remains the same today how do we get to places faster so like we've innovated over time and the innovation keeps going where now you have these super jets that are going to get you from What's what's the one that uh, elon musk is building you know, it's the, a the hyperloop.
0: Is, oh
1: no, <laughs> Sorry. it's building hyperloop. It's building. So like, you pretty much get from like I don't know New York to LA. I'm not sure if that's right in an hour, right, underground. So we we want to be connected, and like innovation is really allowing us to you know find new ways to solve existing problems.
0: Uh, which is your favorite African country and why? Don't say Togo. Ooh.
1: I'm not gonna say Togo. So um, <laughs> I'm not gonna say Togo. So, so can I can I mention more than one?
0: Um yeah, but you have to give me reasons. Well, why they're your favorites?
1: Kenya is one because I just the weather is amazing in Ken- in Nairobi. If you go to Nairobi, Nairobi is like uphill, so it's like think about Dublin, right? Think about how green Dublin is.
0: Yeah.
1: It does Nairobi, but with sun all the time. Mm. It's the weather is amazing. And also, like, it's it's more chill. I was going to say Lagos, but, you know, Lagos is hectic.
0: <laughs> Lagos is hectic. So, so we like, love Lagos. a lot
1: of it, oh, we do. It's a lot of it in Nairobi or Accra. Accra because it's very close to home.
0: Okay. Just because it's close to home, no other reason.
1: Oh, well, I mean, obviously, they have an e- tech ecosystem. Economy is, e- economy is growing. English, obviously. Talent. Rwanda is one, but I haven't been to Rwanda. I've actually heard yeah. great things about it. But I haven't been, so I can't really, you know, vouch.
0: Yeah, I hear it's one of the cleanest um, countries.
1: Yeah. And they changed the official language from French to English
0: recently. Right. Loved it. That's nice. That's cool. Um. So, yeah, the next question is, what is one unpopular opinion you have about the African tech ecosystem?
1: Oh. Yeah, we don't have enough talent. Hmm. All right. We need a lot more talent, like, and we need a lot more edtech companies. Like the thing is, like we we so what we, one thing I didn't say, and sorry for the long long uh, answer, it's I hope worse. we invest every quarter. so we speak to a bunch of companies, we list them and we make it available to the community every quarter. And we did a round recently where we had like three edtech startups, right, and none of them got traction because we had some fintech startups as part of this, and everybody just went towards fintech because it's the hardest thing right now and I mean fintech in its own right you know it's solving so many problems but I feel like edtech requires and needs a lot of investments and this isn't going to happen alone it's going to happen with the help of like local governments who will you know minister of education needs to really you know empower all these companies to help them because it doesn't seem like our you know, a lot of the governments, and I can't speak for the ones I don't know, it doesn't seem like there's enough talent coming. But mm. we're in a digital age where all you need is very good internet and, and a laptop or a good phone to work anywhere, right? So talent needs to be
0: solved ASAP. That's good. And the final question, what is your dream for Africa?
1: Uh, economic empowerment for every single African, right? Like every single one where people don't even think about immigration anymore. Like you can be successful in wherever you are and technology is really enabling this. I'm super optimistic for the continent uh, and I wanna play my small part in my you know, short you know, lifespan here. Um, and I wanna empower as many people to play their part because you know, when you can you know, generate impact wherever you are, there's prosperity right and if everybody just plays the part eh, like if everybody plays the part i think we can get very far as a as a continent and we have the resources you know we have the our, our population is very young very very young i think 60 percent is under 25 we have so much resources to, to make this happen and like my dream is We stop depending on aid. Hopefully, we can actually provide aid to people who need it. We gain some political stability to a larger extent, right? And then we can prosper as as a continent. Because I think we have the potential. Economic empowerment for the continent.
0: We really do. Joey, wow. Thank you so much for all the nuggets you have dropped today. Fantastic conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm sure that the listeners will enjoy the conversation as well. One last thing before we go, what is your social media? How can people find you um, online, um, Hoke, and yourself as well?
1: Yeah, so we are, our website is Club. It's a H-O-A-Q dot C-L-U-B dot, dot club. It's a very basic site, but it, does give you all the information that you need to learn more about us. And if you do join, we have a Slack where you can connect with all the Hook members um, there on the Slack. And like, you know, we use the Slack for, like, we have these things called flash deals, you know, deals that we, you know, that happen really quick. You know, a lot of deals go through there. So, yes, uh, anybody who wants to learn more about Hook, please go there. All our socials is Hook Fund. Yeah, at Hook Fund. So, Twitter, IG. And uh, my personal is uh, Joe Kinvi on Twitter, J O E K I N V I on Twitter.
0: Fabulous! Thank you so much, Joey. Really appreciate you. I'm looking forward to all the great things that you will achieve with Hope in the next few years. So, yeah, uh,
1: thank you for thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I look forward to I look forward to catching up in person. Hopefully, if uh, the pandemic. Yes, allows hopefully
0: us. soon with you know the pandemic. Well, yeah, this is not goodbye, but see you later.